All right. It's, uh, it's been a long summer. Season's approaching. What better way to talk about the summer than prelude to FIBA, Summer Olympics, all that fun stuff, right? We love doing that. We love overrating, underrating. We'll get, we'll get involved in all of it, right? The the bigger thing I wanted to talk about was obviously the USA, which which had which had just a, a poo poo showing. Um, and everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, it's our D team, it's our C team." There's a larger element here uh, that we're, we're gonna get to shortly. One of the big elements, first off, is like, no matter what you say about the type of talent that came, and this applies back to 04 and other elements, and we'll talk about sort of the iteration of this, is we have the most talented team by a mile. Like, let's just let's just make this really simple for just a hot second, okay? This isn't hard. Like, if you had to ask any country, you know, what roster do you want? I mean, USA, hands down. You know, like, like, so we have to grapple with the fact that, like, we had easily the most talented roster. And the players that outplayed some USA members, you know, are, are, are fighting for the next contract in the league. I mean, these guys, if they were American, wouldn't be sniffing our dream team. Dennis Schroeder is a great example, right? Dennis Schroeder was a guy that Celtics basically picked up last last offseason. Um, he was almost out of the league. I mean, they picked him up, and now he's, you know, some of the trade deadline, you know, evolved his value the, uh, a little bit. But what is he? He's a backup point guard. He's a maybe a, a decent rotational piece, you know, maybe. And, again, it depends on the team. It depends on the scenario. All that. So why? I don't care about the Tier A team. You know, oh, if Tier That's pathetic. Like, we have to be so egregiously talented to barely beat these teams. And, and I'll argue this. Even in 08, the, the quote-unquote, I don't remember the year, 08 even? Maybe not, right? 06, 04? I think it's 08. Even the quote-unquote redeem team, right? Even those guys? Well, my argument is, the issue with, with that is, it wasn't like they blew out Spain. They, that game was close. Kobe came in. That team was so egregiously more talented than Spain or any other team, and it wasn't like such a cakewalk. You could argue, should it always be a cakewalk? Maybe not, but we should definitely be, like, it should be kind of a shocker. Something crazy should have to happen. It should be like 16 beating a one in college basketball. It's become too much of the norm um, that... We're not even favored at certain points, so so we'll get into all of that, right? What what's the issue with USA and, and 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 you know whatnot? Fine, let's talk about it. So the USA, the, the USA Dream Team, if you will, whatever they call the countries, do this thing, have similar concepts that other countries did. So the first thing they learned from, I would say, the debacle in the early two thousands was two things. One is uh, lack of continuity, right? So you can't just be like, oh, it's, it's the Olympics. When's the Olympics? Oh, it's in a week. Hey, who wants a gold medal to add to their war chest as a, as a, as a player? Oh, Paul Pierce, you do. Allen Iverson, you do. Marber, you do. Okay, great. Why don't you join the dream team, right? And then what ended up happening is, I get it. Like, uh, you know, the, the lure of the 92 dream team lost its luster. 
and, and now the top tier talent didn't want to come, so you're getting like the B and the C team. Still a ridiculously talented team. But they were kind of coming in last second. They didn't have any kind of gameplay with, with anybody else, all that, all that stuff, right? That stuff is is well documented. Um, and you know, the continuity thing I think is is a is a decent um element. And it is, and I still think that element um more or less still exists. Okay. I'll make that point. Right? What does it mean it still exists? Okay, I'll argue that, right? Well, Again, like these players play a whole off season with each other. They have an NBA. It, it, basketball is really a, a chemistry sport, I'd argue. Okay, it's chemistry in the sense that like you have to you have to kind of know the ticks of each player, how each player feels right, and there's also a role, right, where you kind of have to know who the go the go to guy is. And there has to be kind of an acceptance within that role, right? And you can make the argument it's actually easier for international countries. You know, France is a good example. Right, like Evan Fournier um, is is a clear cut guy in that team, and you know the team kind of accepts the role. He's the NBA guy. Dennis Schroeder is the NBA guy on Germany. Okay, so the team knows. All right, we're going to run our pick and roll set. That's going to mainly be Schroeder. Schroeder could be himself. Fine. And in the NBA, these players have to get accustomed to roles. Right. The, the interesting thing about basketball in general, these leagues is. In order to kind of, you know, I call it like the American Idol steps, right? You have to like, you know, there's a crowd of 10,000. You're the one out of 10,000, right? Well, in the NBA, there's multiple crowds, right? First, you have to be like, in order to make the NBA, you have to be like the best player in your high school, like almost maybe even ever, right? Which means you can have the offense run through you. Then in college, you probably have to be amongst the best player or the best player on your college team for years, which means the offense runs through you. Then the NBA, you had all these layers of being the man, and sometimes it's kind of a shocker for guys who come to the NBA and they're relegated to role player. They're like, what are you talking about? I dominated, you know, I don't know, Ohio State, right? Evan Turner. I was the man. What do you mean I have to come off the bench? Like, dude, this is the NBA. Talent's way better. So now it's like kind of a shock to them. Whereas if you had an off the ball, if you're a 3 and D guy your whole career, easier to accept that role. So fine. In the NBA, they have training camp. They, they, um, you know, understand their pick selection, you know, if you will, right? They're like, okay, it was a certain pick, whatever. That expectation kind of hits. And some of the players, it's either a harsh realization or a cold realization. Or, or they're self-aware and they learn from it. Uh, you know, some players adapt, right? You know, Patrick Beverly talks about this all the time. I'm sure he was the high-usage point guard god in his high school and college. He comes to the NBA and he's like, and he's pretty smart about it. He's like, wow, in order for me to be successful here and elongate my career, I have to carve a role player in each to find. But that takes time. You don't you don't get that in two weeks, right? So the problem with the, with with you know the USA and Brandon Ingram is a classic example. Brandon Ingram is a guy who obviously was the number two pick, number one guy um for a long time now. And in New Orleans he's the crunch time guy, right? Him and Zion, if Zion's ever helped. Um, and then in USA he couldn't accept the role. Like hey dude, we have other guys who are just as efficient, if not more efficient, and high usage, you're going to have to take a back seat, right? Can you do something else? And and I'll say this, like a lot of guys, um, you know, if you're, it's like in baseball. If you're a starter, you throw four pitches. If you're the high usage guy, you used to throw in four pitches. Okay, focus on one or two pitches, right? It's like when Kevin Love went from Minnesota to Cleveland. He no longer became the low post, high usage guy. He had to learn to be this off the ball guy. Could Ingram do that? I, you know, no. And now he's out of the rotation, right? So he couldn't. 
And now you're asking like the dream team guys to do that. Fine. So to me, it's actually two things that can combine. One is the lack of prep and continuity that, that happened. Right. And the other thing with that, I think is also player fit. Right. So same thing. We go back to the 2000, 2004, you know, these, these bad USA uh, dream teams. The issue with those teams were they had a ton of like high usage, you know, empty stack guys, right? So I remember that like one of the teams had basically like Iverson, Pierce, Marbury. I mean, that's disgusting, right? It's like if you make a play, you're not having ribeye steak with a burger and like a filet mignon. It makes no sense. Too much. You need to have a well-rounded play. So the NBA, I think, tried to cop both. They try to solve both. What do they do? So one element to solve the continuity, you know, Jared Colangelo comes on board. Coach K comes on board. Let's have a longer commitment. So now every summer you're at least working out with the players. You're getting some momentum with them, some continuity. Great. That solves that element, continuity. Then with fit, they're like, we got to get what makes a well-rounded team. Not everyone needs to score. Okay. Let's start, you know, getting guys like Tayshawn Prince, right, who became kind of a fixture. De, you know, um, DeAndre Jordan, right, like like a rim runners, Tayson Chandler, right, guys who get the bed. They started to do this earlier. Um, and that started, you know, helping a little bit, I would say. But it obviously wasn't the crux because while some of those teams won, some of those teams didn't, they were a little better, I would say. Um, they needed an overwhelmingly just – gluttony of, of NBA talent to, for lack of a better term, barely win to Spain. And if you argue, what are you talking about? They won by seven. That game was tight in the championship. But again, I keep saying this. If there was like an NBA live rating, the NBA team is 100 and the Spain team is like 20. If you're making a Vegas odds of those teams that they're playing in an NBA regular season, you're the NBA team, the dream team, should be favored by 24 and a half points. Yes, occasionally does the 16 beat the one shirt, but it shouldn't be this close all the freaking time, which it was. They didn't cakewalk as much as you would have thought. It wasn't 92, and it should have been like 92, given the talent gap. So what happened? International teams got better each time. Now, again, these guys are not making the NBA. More of them are, so the teams are a little bit better, but... Like, again, a team led by Dennis. If Dennis Schroeder was your best player on an NBA team, you would go 0-82. Okay? So why is a Dennis Schroeder-led team in FIBA beating a USA team? Okay? Great. If the USA team, as much as people complain, oh, it's Tier 2, Tier 3 town, was an actual NBA team, they should go 82-0. Yes, maybe they won't. They would win a couple of 75-7. They would lose here and there. But that team is egregiously talented. It is. And I'd argue, and I can make an argument like, okay, what's the best team to put out? So what's the process of what's going on here? Why are they not blowing out teams? What's different about FIBA? I think there's there's a couple of things. And this has been talked about, and, and but I'm going to reiterate a few points. So one element uh, that exists in FIBA is the stylistic difference. Okay, so let me explain. So a couple of big rules in FIBA. One big thing is the bigs don't have a defensive three seconds. This is almost like Will Chamberlain-like. Like, you had to change the rules for Will Chamberlain. International never had a Will Chamberlain. They had a Venus Sabonis. And they didn't change the rules. So that's a big deal in the NBA. Um, and the other thing is uh, a short of three-point line. 
All right, so how do the two adapt? Let's dissect. So if you're doing a no defensive three in the key, now you could just like throw in a thick big man in the paint. He doesn't have to roam out, and uh, you don't have to switch, you don't have to care as much, you don't have to come in and out. So the plotting big is more useful. In FIBA, a thick plotting big, our Venus Sabonis, basically. Or a Nikola Jokic, who is a classic FIBA big. Now in the NBA, well, Jokic is a good call, that plotting big is going away. So like Nurkic right now looks like a bad contract. The Pels are trying to remove Jonas Valanciunas, okay? Plotting bigs are no longer big in the NBA. Bigs have moved away from that, right? Uh, you have to have the flexibility to come out of the perimeter. The other thing is with the short three-point line, you don't need as much flexibility to go out the perimeter. It's shorter, so you, can, you just have to go out maybe a few feet. Where in the NBA, you have to go out a lot more, and now you're on an island. What's the other thing about international? So for the NBA, international, not as much pick and roll. There are some, not nearly as much. In the NBA, it's all pick and roll. Like 75% of plays are pick and roll. Now, plays are run in the NBA, but when a play breaks down, which it always does because there's advanced scouting, and then people know the next what the next team's movement is. There's not as much. Uh, there's going to be more pick and roll. International, not as much. They run through, through the big. There's pick and pop, but then the bigs are, are related. Here's the difference, and here's where I think the NBA is going, and I think Jokic is the, the sample here, right? Because... This is a kind of interesting thing. While, yes, talent exists, talent is more, um, I'm, I'm going to use the wrong words here. It's more like forced upon us based on action. I'll say it differently. So nobody like thought Jokic was great coming in. He was a 47th pick. I get it. Even like as Denver was winning when they, when they put him in the lineup, basically it changed everything. It didn't really translate. It only translated because they won. So because Denver won, then people were like, oh, Jokic is really talented. He was always talented. And this happens all the time. It's the type of players that the NBA gets and what they're trying to mock for them. I call it the Mamba effect, the Jordan effect, if you will, et cetera, et cetera, right? The NBA is a copycat league. So if they see, and, and, and Stern implemented rules years ago that are still um, making waves today. And I think it was more pronounced in the 90s and the 2000s than it is now, but they haven't adapted quick enough. What do I mean? So one of Stern's big things in the growing up in the 80s was he saw, obviously, the transformation of Magic and Bird. It was like, we need the star talent to carry the league. They realized that, look, the NBA is the most naked sport, right? Bill Simmons talks about this. Many guys do. Which, in essence, means, like, players see, you know, fans see the players as individuals, right? So if we, you know, we need, you need a show to watch. I'm watching the Lakers to see Magic, the Celtics to see Bird. Okay. So they became more about the personality. And one of the big changes they did was zone defense and the lack thereof, really, illegal defense. And certain kind of created rules to um, amplify individual talent. This was most pronounced with Jordan. Okay. So hand-checking rules, things like that, were like, you know, Shaq and all these bigs, where it became tougher to double-team guys, and, and they got rid of zone defense. And this highlighted the individuals, okay? Luca even talked about it. He was more easily 
him in the NBA to score individually than it was in Europe, which sounds ridiculous because you think the defense is better than the NBA, but it's because the way the rule set up and then the adaptivity from them. Ah, what happened, though? So now, you know, Silver takes over. One of the things he does is enact back zone defense. It was years ago. But the NBA hasn't really adapted because it takes a while. What do I mean? Because the players coming out when they're in AAU, in middle school, uh, and they start there, you know, the talents align their style with what they see making money, performing well in the NBA, which is individualistic. So they want to mock Kobe, Michael Jordan. Individuals are the ones that get the brand deals and all that. That's, so now the talents coming in in America are all evoking that um, individualistic thing. They haven't adapted yet, right? But in Europe, it never was like that. It was never about the individual. It was always more about the way the team does. Back screen, good passing. And in, in Europe, a lot of the players tend to have higher assist rates. This isn't like a, a, a new thing. Look at all the bigs, right? Well, if you think of all the great passing bigs, they're all foreign. Vladi Divac, Arvina Sabonis, Demonte Sabonis, the son, right? Um, Nikola Jokic now. So it's a bigger thing to be like pass heavy. And like the NBA, it's weird. Players coming out, unless there has to be more momentum behind the trend. So the Georgia trend is an easier trend to adapt. Oh, if I'm really talented... Let me score the most points, and I'll get the most money. I'll get the most endorsement deals. That's an easy sell. It's also the easiest stat. How many points did you score? Great. So, obviously, like, scoring is going to be the sexy thing that most players want to do coming in, right? Unfortunately, the trendsetters of the 80s, you know, Bird and Johnson, um, got kind of hijacked by Jordan, right? It would be, the, the, I think the American game would have been different if people wanted to mock what those two guys were doing and, like, look how pass-friendly they are. And they did to an extent, but it really became Jordan kind of hijacked that, right? Even even in the mid-2000s, you could say shooting became bigger, which it did. The NBA now has better shooting than it ever has. And a lot of that is Curry's transformation. But it's still a bit individualistic. It's like, how much can I shoot? It's not about team play or certain stats, right? And I think the key stat here that's different between European play and NBA play that FIBA embodies is assist rate, Okay. Nobody coming out of high school, college, all this stuff. First of all, it's a harder metric to um, compute. You need advanced stats to do it. You can't just look at a box score, you know, from a newspaper. And this, I bring that up because, like, if, if some guy has a high school game and they're like, oh, how'd you do? Oh, you have 40 points. That's easy. It's easy to compute. But you're not going to be like, oh, he had 12 assists on only 30 possessions. Like, wait, what? Okay, let me do some math here. Bring out a calculator. I uh, was in the T9. Right? No one's doing that. So the assist rate is, I think, more of a holy grail stat. And again, I'm trying to maybe oversimplify this, and, you know, fine. But it is. It's more of a, a holy grail stat that, that America is still behind them. And the key is going to be more about the larger brand that the NBA grows, I would say, for lack of a better term, along with their international counterparts. Said differently... Will the future talent coming out of the American colleges, right? Because remember, we're talking about Summer Olympics and stuff. Will align with Nikola Jokic. Will Nikola Jokic be a poster boy for future people? Nikola Jokic is a tough guy to market if you're um, the NBA. Not because um, he's not interesting. It's just because of the sheer size of him. So if you're, you, you, you know, he doesn't apply to like, 
no one's going to get the Nikola Jokic sneaker. He's not going to feel like adaptable to him. He's not relatable because he's so big. Big men are always had difficulty. Curry was a phenomenon because he was kind of small and can shoot. And people like me, who made their uh, basketball career, right? Basketball career, give me a break. Basketball career on shooting, realize, look, I'm not tall. I, I have a height deficiency. Okay. But if I could shoot really well, that's a way in. Alan Iverson also brought this, right? He was more culturally, uh, uh, you know, adaptable, right? Now, maybe Magic and Bird could have done it, but you need to have relatable figures. And Jokic is in that. And because of that, call, and now Foreigner, they have it all over. Rudy Fernandez, right? Ricky Rubio. Okay. All these places do. And that is the crux of the problem. The crux of it is what are the what does the foreign entity care about? What does the American entity care about? The foreign entity cares about good passing, assist rate. Now look, shooting's part of that. They also cared about shooting. And here's the nuanced difference: NBA became more like role focused, and that look, they're still slowly adapting. Teams are, but not nearly enough. One of the big things in foreign play that I think is quite unique is that everyone on a unit can almost do everything. Okay? And, and let's make it really simple. <clears throat> Pass, dribble, and shoot. And make it, you know, I would say more um, shoot, create, and defend. So the NBA is slowly getting there, but they're focused on the first two things, not on creation. They're focused on defense and probably shooting. Okay? So the reason why, back to the original thing, the reason why Jonas Valanciunas, Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic is a good one. Let's focus on Yusuf Nurkic. Yusuf Nurkic is a negative contract right now because, now granted, he gets hurt. I get it. There's other reasons. But even if he was healthy, you know, teams couldn't get him. You know, the, the Blazers would have to move an asset just to unload Nurkic. His contract's not that crazy. And he would be a guy that would absolutely kill the U.S. on the international stage because, again, the U.S., again, foreign, the defense gets, you know, um, Diminish a little bit, but he could create and shoot. Now, in the NBA game, his creation is actually a problem because he gets in the way of the perimeter guy. He's clogging the paint. And creation can mean a couple of things. I think creation really means create a, a, off a couple of different scenarios, right? So it's not so interesting if you're working with if you're the Blazers. And you're shaded sharp. You're like, no, I need the ball in my hands in a pick and roll setting to create. Why can't you create off a cut? You can't like get the ball on a cut, figure out what to do. No, it, it, they've, they've relegated NBA talent in either you're on the ball or off the ball. So, and three and D, I think, is the ethos of that, right? Either you're like a relegated off the ball guy, and you have to figure out how to be useful there or on the ball. You can't really like figure out ways to create off the ball. There's certain NBA guys that can. I love Kyle Anderson. You know, I do. He's clever, and he, he's smarter. And this is more about like the basketball IQL. All right. So, again, but in, in, in the with the foreign countries, they do multiple things. And you saw this, I think, starting in 2004. I think, like, Ruben Walkowski, who the Celtics eventually picked up, didn't do anything in the NBA, embodied this for, like, Argentina, which I think won it that year. It was either Argentina or Brazil. But he was a high post big. 
and he could create and create well. And in the NBA, you're starting to see elements of it, right? You look at like some of the bigs that do this. So, like, you know, Bam out of bio, uh, Draymond Green, right? They create and defend. And I think the bigger thing is having five guys on the court who not only create, but complement each other with that creation. If you're a defense and you're trying to defend five guys that could create, that's really tough. And I think the shooting element, while it's important, is actually a little overrated. There's been a big study with this with the Heat. You know, they kind of use the dribble handoff and bam as a spacer, right? If you're playing five on five, no one's covering Bam on the perimeter. Well, if Duncan Robinson, as an example, is coming around and you're going to do dribble handoff or J.J. Redick in his prime, now Bam has become kind of a spacer. But he's great. He has the ability to do that. Every big does. And I think it's the adaptivity of those NBA talents. So now, unfortunately, the only way to win is they just have to suffocate the teams with talent. Even then, it's close. It's close. And we could argue all day, what's the A team? What's the best team? We might do that in the next one here. But really, it's not nothing to do with that. It's got nothing to do with the teams, who's playing or whatever. It's it's actually getting the right. And I think if you're, by the way, if you're a team that's got nothing going or whatever, you could totally zig where people are zagging. And there are, by the way, there are players like this in the league, okay? But because all the teams are too individual-centric focused, everyone's chasing the same stupid thing. You know, Billy B talks about it. If you play like the Yankees in here, you'll lose them out there, right? A team like the Pistons, who are trying to just mimic, you know, let's get the next Kobe Bryant. Is it Cade Cunningham? I don't know. Let's get all these individual guys. Think differently. Why don't you adapt your team to a more forward setting, which I think is where the NBA goes, and, like, figure out why was Denver so successful? Oh, we can, you, know, you could. You had Nikola Jokic, by the way, on your team. You did. Was he as good? I don't know. His name was Luka Garza. Okay? He's got a second-round pick. These guys are all over. Okay, what I like about Garza as an example of a guy who, if more teams sought out, they made the ethos of the team. Okay, and they got these pass first guys who can do multiple things. Garza, again, he can't be the only guy that does it, though. If you have a lot of guys who are pass heavy bigs, Luca Garza, for those that don't know, was an Iowa State, was I think college player of the year or amongst them. Second round pick because he looks like a plotting big, but he could shoot. He's big, big body, great passer. Okay, similar skill set to Jokic, by the way, and teams aren't teams are not picking it up. Second round pick, he might be out of the league, but I bet you, I bet you, if you put a team together and Garza's your starting five, and you got like Kyle Anderson in there, okay, and I got to figure out who are the other talents that kind of play like this. Who's the point guard version? There's more of them, okay, and you find out the right metric to look at, the right talent. You could completely zig, flip the NBA, and all of a sudden, like, it's almost like discovery three-pointers. You know, it's like Rick Pitino's teams overachieved back in the 80s at college because they adapted the three-pointer. Well, if you adapt a cis rate, you make that your ethos and all that, you can adapt to. And that's the lesson and right now, you know, I don't know if the U.S. is a close. They're thinking of the wrong thing, and we'll talk about the, uh, the other side here. I'm like, okay, what's well, the type of talent we get and all that jazz? And I think, as a result, we're not, we're not close. We, we're, we're thinking.